Well, y'all are going to make me lose my mind up in here, up in here. Dan, now you're time shifting. (laughs) Now you're time shifting the broadcast here because uh, as this airs a few weeks later, your your ex going to give it to you reference is not going to be as topical as it is as we sit here in the studio now. Tributes to DMX will be timeless, Dan. You'll you'll see. You just wait and see. Uh, this is a weird situation that Jack and Dan find themselves as we record another installment of Men Seeking Tomahawks. I think the worst part for me is that I kind of thought that DMX and uh, Queen Elizabeth would make a cute couple after Philip died, but here we go. Your you hours know, later. Than hours later. Sad. They would have been, that would have been a cute couple. You know, it's, it's crazy how influential both of those people were. Uh, it's, you know, you'd think that the, the uh, husband of the queen of England for the past <laughs> nearly century, it feels like, you know, would have been the biggest death in the world today, but kind of feel like DMX is right up there. I agree. I agree. Here's what I want to know from you, Dan. Do you think, there is one guy in this world who picked up the paper this morning and read about DMX and said to himself, what DMX rush Limbaugh. And now this, (laughs) like, is there one guy out there that that was, that's the building blocks for his trio in the sky. (laughs) Like, uh, like man, this year was bad enough when we lost Rush Limbaugh, but now we lost DMX too. I, I, is that is there one one guy? Well, I'll tell you what. If they lost their conservative talk radio when Rush passed on to the next plane, and then they lost their hip-hop music when DMX passed on, all that's left is to find a new favorite podcast to fill the void, and I think we have a solution. And th- this person would probably love this episode. Oh, God. that That sounds like our demo somehow. Somehow, some way, for reasons that I don't fully understand right now. So welcome that guy and welcome the rest of you. Tonight's gonna be tonight's gonna be a rant, Dan. I gotta be honest. I know we hadn't talked about this too much about where Jack is steering the the ship tonight, but I I need to bitch about baseball for a number of reasons. It's a baseball season, so I guess tis the season. Tis. So on the program this evening, this is going to be controversial, I know it, but we are going to delve into the Texas Rangers and give our local opinions on our local boys of summer. After that, we're going to talk about alternatives for the discerning baseball enthusiast, maybe give you some other options in this world if, in fact, you need them. And finally... I'm going to unleash a suggestion that I think would make the Major League Baseball just a little less insufferable. God, I feel catty. I feel catty just reading all that. Man, what's wrong with me? I know we had so much fun last week talking about movies, and then all of a sudden you show up this week and you're, you're mad at baseball. Mad at baseball. Okay, so guys, that's that's what's coming up next. Just bear with me. Just trust me and bear with me. Because this will be a largely entertaining 
rant. I might have an aneurysm, you know, right in the middle of it. And you can't tune out for that. You have to listen to a guy have an aneurysm when you have the opportunity. I'll keep making jokes to keep things light. (laughs) Yeah, just keep keep that up, Dan. And you know who else is going to help keep us light? I'm so excited about this. I don't it's been a while since we've played a musician from New Zealand and this musician might not be from New Zealand. I wasn't able to get confirmation one way or the other. But I do believe, based off of their email address, that this is uh, some rock and roll from New Zealand. This is Della Mata with Torture Theater right here on Men Seeking Tomahawks.
Della Mata, right there with Torture Theater. A little bit of uh, ambient rock, I guess you would call it. From Ambient Kiwi rock. Indeed. Yeah, I'm a fan. I really, really enjoyed that. And that, that put me in a much better mood than baseball did, Dan. I know, but now it's right back to the action. And right back into it. Yeah, so let's, uh, let's get me all stressed out again. So we need to talk... Texas Rangers baseball, Dan, because I, breaking news, hit the Sounder Expo. I am right now on record saying that I am anti-Texas Rangers baseball. I am ready. I am prepared to give a big foam finger to our local baseball team, Dan. I'm guessing that's a foam middle finger, not the uh, number one. <laughs> what well, you know. Whatever, whatever in your, in your imagination works. So there's some things that just happened that really set me off and kind of solidified some things that had been boiling up for a long time, but I wanted to kind of explain myself, right? So this wasn't some hastily designed opinion. Now I'm not holding against the Rangers, their lack of success overall in the last 10 years. That's not my reasoning for this. I would say that generally speaking, the Rangers have been lost in the woods, just like every other AL West team has been for the better part of 10 years. Uh, No, Houston, you don't count and you know why you know what you did. Uh, I would say that the Rangers for better or for worse, would you say about the same as just about three fourths of the league? Kind of good, kind of not good. Just there. Yeah, you know, I mean, they went on the, a couple World Series runs, which you can always kind of point to that and say, hey, you remember those good old days? So that happened within the last couple, what, last decade and a half or so. A few more playoff runs where they went, uh, at least made season ex- exciting. So, yeah, I mean, they've had those, but then also they've had the real stinkers of the years like we've had recently. So I think most teams are up and down like that. And uh, yes. so, yeah, the, the actual play on the field, fine. Fine. It's a fine team. There's there's nothing wrong with that. That's in no way factored into where I am with this presently. But to kind of set the table, uh, let's talk about what's happened over the course of the last couple of decades with this team. So back in 1994, Dan, uh, the local DFW scene was introduced to the ballpark in Arlington. It was a beauty. It was. It won an architectural award. It was a beautiful stadium, was it not, Dan? Was it not? Okay, well, it was, and it still is? Still is. Here's the thing, folks. So this ballpark, which opened in 1994, served its purposes for a period of time. And then all of a sudden, in 2016, give or take about two decades later, the Rangers come up and say, guys, we need a new stadium. Mind you, this stadium that's about 20 years old was taxpayer funded. Mind you that Fenway, which was opened in 1912, is still serving the Red Sox. Mind you that Wrigley, which opened in 1914, is still serving the Cubs. The Rangers had a stadium that they opened in 1994 on the back of the taxpayers 
And then about 20 years later said, oh, we, yeah, we need guys, we need a new stadium. And this wasn't a case of stadiums in bad shape because it was in good shape. It had been renovated and had several updates and upgrades. Uh, You and I have both gone there together and independently several times over the past few years before it was, you know, before the team was pulled out of there. Nothing wrong with it. Great place. Well, I will I will give them that. It was hot. It was real hot. Statistically speaking, the Rangers pitching did worse in the hotter months. So I give them that. However, okay, so from a performance on the field and okay, yes, some of the attendee experience, but it had nothing to do with the stadium itself. I, I mean, well, here, it could have been thing. like a miscalculation when the stadium was built, sure. but it wasn't falling apart. It wasn't crumbling. Yeah. There wasn't gross bathrooms. There was nothing that you might say, oh, that old stadium is really gross because of this, or it's falling apart because of that. That was not an issue. But the big kicker there, Dan, is that the place was designed initially to accept a retrofit of a uh, a roof so that they could air condition the place, okay? And, and, and really, that would have been a fraction of the cost of a new stadium. But Peshaw to that didn't happen. The Rangers organization pulls the wool over Arlington again. They say, we want a new stadium. It's going to be about $1.2 billion and 500 million of that is going to come from the people of the city of Arlington where the Rangers play. The funny thing is, so they're splitting that 1.2 billion. However, a lot of the money that the team was to contribute was actually going to come off of a new team uh, tax on ticket sales as well as tax on parking revenue. So it was a little bit like they were double dipping. We're getting half from you, and also some of our half is going to come from you. Not the greatest look, not the greatest optics in terms of the whole, and I I, I mean, this is a this is a easy, low-hanging fruit thing to complain about, you know, taxpayers uh, funding stadiums for billionaires. I get it. But th- again, setting the table here, not a great look just to start out with. So let's flash forward, right? This uh, this stadium opened during COVID, height of COVID. So there was no there the the season that was there was no uh, people attending the games. We find ourselves in 2021, and the new baseball season has just started. And our governor announces that Texas is open, and taking that lead. The Rangers say, well, cool, our stadium is open. Now, there's lots of sporting events going on right now with limited seating capacity and definite huge restrictions. The Rangers, Dan, have decided that they are open for business. Their home opener the other evening completely sold out. 40,000 people, nut to butt. There's barely any any restrictions, any, any protocols, any of that sort of stuff. They say that people are supposed to wear masks when they're they not, <laughs> they're not eating. Well, that's the thing they're supposed to, when they're eating, they can take their masks off. There's pictures from all, you know, sports illustrated and NBC. Nobody's wearing their freaking mask. I mean, this thing has been driving me crazy. I don't understand. Well, and, and let's look at this. So this is in a vacuum, right? In a vacuum. Okay. The Rangers have full capacity. Okay. But then zoom out. There's 30 teams in the MLB. They all had opening days. They all had some level of attendance. But you just look down the list. You've got 
20% capacity, 15% capacity. Oh, 30% capacity. Wow. Oh, okay. 20. And then you go up. Oh, what, what about the other Texas team? Houston, 50% capacity. Okay. So like half, that's the highest. Uh, I think uh, maybe Arizona had like 40 Florida, super open state. They were in the thirties, forties. Oh, Texas Rangers, 100%. Literally out of 30 teams, they are the ones who said, no, cool. We're going to just uh, throw it out the window. Okay, so guys, I I want to make a guarantee here. This show is not about COVID. Okay, we don't we don't want to do COVID segments. Nobody wants to talk about this right now. But I feel like this is so so right in the wheelhouse of absolute absurdity, and it also has to do with the sports that we got to talk about this because this is unacceptable. As someone who has has spent the past 10 years working in medical, who spent the last year trying to help people to save lives, uh, I am appalled. You know, I'm just absolutely galled at, at what has gone on here. And to the point, like, look, I get it. I get that the whole the whole frustration with, you know, again, taxpayers paying to build stadiums for these these pro teams. I get there's so many reasons uh, to to dislike sports franchises in general. This is it for me, man. This really is it. I can't, with the good conscience, support this organization anymore. And 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 honestly, man, when I you know I hate getting on social media. I've I've I took myself off Facebook years ago. I still pop on Twitter from time to time, and I got into some absolute back and forth, ridiculous fights with people. I'm call, you know, they're calling me uh worry war, like, you know, fear mongers and, and I'm calling them play grats. and it's just back and forth. And I, I don't recognize these people. I, I don't understand their lack of consideration for these things. And I'm out, I'm done, man. I'm absolutely done. Yeah. I mean, it's really hard. This is a, a, a team that I grew up on my whole life. You've grown up with most of your adult life. I worked for so them. It's a te- you, you worked for them. Yeah. I went to school for several years right down the road and would walk to games just on random weeknights and be one of, you know, a few thousand people in the stands. Like, it's a team that we both have close ties to. But, I mean, it's it, it's like any other relationships. Like, at some point, so you'll get, you know, turned on or abused so much in various ways that eventually you just have to say, hey, this relationship's over. And... Um, I know you're there. I'm not far behind you. Yeah, it's 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 hard, and it's you know we we're both baseball fans. We both like the like the pastime, the American pastime. But our local professional MLB team, it's really hard to like them right now. I mean, okay, so let let me ask you this. And, sure. You know, again, this is a little free flowing here, but what if? What if what if they sell the team? What if the current owners who made the decision and the push to build the ballpark made the push for the bonds to get the taxpayers in it to to fund this ballpark next to a fine ballpark? So now there's two ballparks within a few blocks of each other. Uh, they're the ones that ultimately are the ones that made this call. Like, hey, we're going to bring in forty thousand people to sit side by side for three or four hours. What if they sell this team and a new ownership group comes in and they said, hey, we're we're going to start doing it the right way? Is your anger with the current management group that's kind of done all these things or is it just going to be with the franchise forever 
No, I think that's a great point. I think that the ship can be corrected. I, I again, I'll I'll state clearly. I don't. I'm not sitting here saying why is it they haven't won three World Series in the you know couple or three decades I've been in DFW. You know, I'm totally fine with them being just another baseball team. You know, I like I like rascals. I like team. I like pesky teams. I don't. I don't need to be, you know, the Red Sox winning a World Series every other year. That's fine. I don't need that. If if they were coming and and I think you and I ever since we started doing this show, I think that we've discussed how as you age, you you stop uh worshipping the laundry, right? Like it becomes far less about the the team on the field and it does you start to factor in those stories behind the scene you know it was like whenever whenever i became a stars fan it was because they called out the cowboys on twitter and that was hilarious and i was like okay this this team they started to build something uh from a coaching and management perspective and then they had kind of this chip on their shoulder we're the fourth big in a in the you know in cowboy land so they they kind of won me over there uh, so yeah, absolutely. I think that could happen. Yeah, I mean, I think the the current Rangers they've had a, a an incredible arc for a team that otherwise is a rather boring franchise. Because if you think back a decade or so ago, when Tom Hicks, one of the worst mm-hmm. owners in sports history in in the Dallas Fort Worth area, who owned the Stars and the Rangers, yeah, went bankrupt, had to get rid of both of the teams, and there was all kinds of drama about who was going to buy the Rangers, and ultimately a group that was. The face of the group was Nolan Ryan. He wasn't the main Nolan. investor, but everyone just said like, hey, Nolan Ryan is part of the group buying the Texas Rangers. Right. And like the next year they had a World Series run and then, you know, just became kind of, you know, Nolan Ryan, the, the Texas Ranger, the, you know, the old Texas Ranger uh, star, a former legend, whatever. And now he's leading it. And I think that's actually the same group that kind of morphed in. It's it's a similar group. It's never changed hands since then. He's He's been gone and I guess the the big money guys are the ones that are now completely in charge. Right. But it's been a little bit of a roller coaster because at that time, these were the darling owners of MLB. And they've slowly changed to now whatever the opposite of that is, is what they are now. So I feel like, you know, you go through that cycle again. And like you said, the laundry might stay the same. But if the attitude, the, su- the support behind it, the financiers, the the people, the attitude, I mean, it's no different than when Mark Cuban bought the Mavericks several decades ago. Like it just changed. Like, okay, it's yeah. the same uniform, the same team name, yeah. but it's not the same. It's not the same team. If that makes sense. You know, Dan, so you're right. I, I could be one back. However, in the meantime, I think the, the most useful use of our time right now is to explore alternatives for the discerning baseball enthusiast. Because like you said, you're right behind me in terms of your, uh, waning feelings with the Rangers. So what is, what is one to do to consume some, some baseball when you don't really necessarily want to look at the Texas Rangers? So the first option I wanted to bring up was friend of the show. We've featured him as the lead singer of the Swedish teens. And I think we've interviewed him as well. Uh, one young Joseph Bateman. Uh, you know, I don't know if you know this, but Beatty has spent the past couple of years down in old Mexico. He's actually a talent scout uh, for baseball teams down in Mexico. And look, 
if you want to get some really interesting baseball games to watch, I might even put some up on Twitter that he refers me to. He he can send you some stuff from Jamaica and South America and all sorts of random games if you want to watch some some unique different stuff. Yeah, that's one of the fun things about YouTube and all of these different streaming platforms now is pretty much anyone that has a camera and an internet connection can stream a game. And there are some crazy things out there, including, oh, like yeah. you said, Jamaican baseball, uh, Mexican baseball league, you know, a, a paid these players might be paid in these Mexican baseball leagues, but literally there's, you know, beer coolers in the, in the dugouts. It's a, it's a wild atmosphere and, and you're not going to have any of these, these tax funded stadium issues going on. Like we're having up here. Yeah. So that's one idea, right? And we can offer that. We can offer that as a service actually. Uh, Here's another idea, Dan. So you and I for years have discussed how we live in DFW, which houses, I don't even know how many big time sports uh, collegiate programs, right? We've got, I can think off the top of my head, three bigs and then a handful of medium sized uh, colleges, which all have baseball, uh, basketball, football, you know, et cetera. So I think that if you're local and you and me have been talking about this for years, we live here, we should know what SMU's Moody Coliseum looks like, right? We should know what that experience is. We should go to Stephenville and see if Tarleton is actually made up like everyone says it is or if it actually exists. Uh, you know, we should we should go check these things out. And I think we could probably see a good quality sports product while we were there. Well, and, you know, something that's kind of sneakily good and under the radar is the junior college baseball scene. Yeah. And the reason that's the case is because a lot of these high school players that are really good, but not quite good enough to get drafted or not quite good enough to get drafted as high as they want to, they can go to the junior colleges. I believe this is still the the rule. They can go to the junior college and then the very next year get back in the MLB draft. Whereas if you go to a four-year school, there's a certain seasoning period, I believe, where they have to stick around at that university. So if they're almost major league ready, but not quite, then they'll go to the junior college. So oftentimes those junior college programs will have some better players than some of the, the four year NCAA schools. So, and those are everywhere and those are completely under the radar, man. And it's just like you said about the old Rangers ballpark, that place was quirk. It was, it was great. It was quirky. It was hot. It was uh, influenced heavily by classic stadiums. It was a good experience. I want to go see the DBU baseball park. You know, I want to go see these random JUCOs because like, I feel like the Rangers have gotten so big money with this fancy pants, uh, new stadium that looks like a pellet smoker from the outside. I, I, I feel like I just want to see something that is less big money. Like, I just feel like there's something to the, uh, the, the humbleness of, of something that's a little simpler. You know what I mean? For especially for baseball. So you're saying there's no more five dollar walk up tickets at the new stadium anymore? Oh boy. I I I highly doubt the the ones that are not counterfeit are five dollars. So Dan, I want to wrap up my my tour of alternatives to major league baseball by bringing up something that kind of it was a self-realization in in this whole when I, when I started to pitch this to myself, I was like, okay, so you don't want to watch baseball anymore. Cool. What are you going to do? 
And the thing that I had forgotten has held such a dear place in my heart is independent baseball. Now, I I have lived the better part of the last 25 years in Dallas, but I spent a couple of my dark years in uh, New Jersey, the New York, New Jersey area. And, you know, one could go see the Mets, one could go see the Yankees, but Jack Drastic decided I needed to go and get heavily involved in the Newark Bears. And I did so. And honestly, was one of the best things that I, that's one of my fondest memories of having lived up there in New Jersey. So here I am, a kid from Houston who spent several years in Texas, uh, you know, in Dallas, Texas. And I go up to Newark, New Jersey for work after college. And I go to the Bears and I start looking at the roster. And Daryl Ward, whom I certain I saw at Minute Maid, was there. Carl Everett whom I saw at the Astrodome was there. Uh, again, going back to Beatty, uh, their manager was uh, Expo great Tim Raines. And then there was this other cat named Brian Barton, who is uh, unironically still my hero to this day. That guy was awesome. But I've got all these, I've got this legend Tim Raines managing two guys that I used to watch as a kid as you know when I used to watch Astros games. And I am paying $5, Dan, to get into River Riverfront Stadium. And it was one of the best. It was just, it was the best. I was there all the time. Carl Everett, one of his foul balls, knocked over one of my beers. That was uh, something I'll tell the grandkids, you know. Um, is this one of those situations where, uh, hey, buddy, we need you to return the ball. We don't have any left. <laughs> there, there, were, there were many incidents uh, at that level of uh second levelness for sure. And and I I don't even know how much I've talked to you about this Dan, but there was there was one time where the Newark Bears had an open tryout and I've never played baseball in my life, but I signed up to go try the open tryouts and it was a blast cuz I I'm watching this Newark Bears product and it was it was it was independent baseball. It was some like New England pro minor league thing. It, it was an acronym that had, you know, seven letters in it. And I show up and like, I watch these games. Right. And I'm like, I could do this. Like this, these guys are terrible. I could totally do this. And I had convinced myself that if I go to this open tryout, I was going to be a Newark bear for the rest of my life, you know, just ride the bus, you know? And I show up to this open tryout. Right. And I'm talking to the guys and, and they're, I'm like, they're like, well, where are you from? And I'm like, oh, Journal Square. Like, I just took the the dart train <laughs> right over here, 10 minutes. And like, where are you from? Oh, I just got cut from the Cincinnati Reds. Oh, okay. Uh, what about you? What about you? Where uh where'd you come from? Oh, the Giants, the San Francisco Giants just cut me. And I was like, oh, I'm not gonna be a baseball player today. It's like, one of I, those tryouts. Yeah. Oh. I was like, I, I yeah, I don't, I don't belong here. So did you finish it out? Did you go the I whole I did, I did. I took I took batting practice off of uh, former New York Yankees great uh, Jim Laritz, which uh, you know put that on the on the obituary, the the soon to be obituary. I fielded some balls. I had a great time. It was magical. I even <laughs> okay. I, were you the only one there that was like that? Oh, like, who or, knows, man? There was like two hundred guys there. Who knows? 
we were all having a blast. I did. There's probably guys there where this was like a make or break thing in their career. Yeah, for, for sure. me, it was the best Saturday I had had in two years. It was <laughs> phenomenal. I wore my cleats onto the, the the subway train back home. I just felt like I was like, I was like, I'm, do you stick the mat through the glove so that you could just uh, throw it over your shoulder? Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? So <laughs> I realized this. Now, now the Newark Bears are defunct. And if you go look at their Twitter feed, if you look at their last two Twitter or uh, their two last two tweets, it's really funny because it's it's a it's a tale of two tweets. They're gone, but they remind me how much baseball doesn't have to be this grandiose millionaire billionaire, you know, thing. It it can be simple. It can be bad. And, you know, independent baseball on its own, I think has so much merit and can have even more merit as as we move forward and, you know, people look for alternatives with sports. The other thing I wanted to bring up when we talk about indie baseball is a documentary. It's got, it's a hundred percent on rotten tomatoes. It's on Netflix. It's called the battered bastards of baseball. And it is about a little team called the Portland Mavericks. Now the story is insane. I definitely implore anyone who hasn't seen this documentary, go look at it. And the long and short of it is Kurt Russell, that guy, his dad buys a single A team in Portland. And he is the one unaffiliated team, meaning that his team is independent. Every other team that he's competing against is in somebody's farm system, be it the Mariners or the Cardinals or whoever, right? And he kicks their asses. He he does open tryouts. And he gets a bunch of guys that were cut from other teams and they've got such a chip on their shoulder. They go out and they beat all of these farm, uh, these farm league teams, you know, with talent that had replaced them. Right. And so it's this wonderful, absolutely wonderful story. The thing that spoiler alert, I guess, you know, they, they get to the playoffs and all these farm league teams are able to send down their double a guys down to single a because the Portland Mavericks are unaffiliated. They don't have that legacy, that, that luxury, right? So they just get dusted by these, these higher level players. Eventually the, it doesn't last long. Um, and eventually the team goes away, but man, it really points something out. And I think it's something important that the minor leagues, like I'm not going to sit here and tell you to go watch the minor league team affiliate of your local uh, major league team, because honestly, the minor league system is garbage. It's it's it, it's meaning it's about wins and losses and records in minor league baseball means about as much as wins and losses in pro wrestling. It simply just does not matter because the the the, the players do not want to be there. They want to get good and get out of there, right? And the fans, honestly, let's be honest, when you listen to the marketing on the radio, the fans are dads who want to bring their five-year-old to a ball game, but they don't want to spend the money to go to a, a ball game. So they just tell their kid, yeah, we're at the ball. We're at the, we're at the baseball game, you know, and the kid thinks they're at the Yankees game. The kid thinks they're at the Rangers game, you know? So the, the proposition, the value proposition is not that you're going to see a good product. You're just going to go have a good time. Uh, and you're not going to spend the same amount of money. There's some red flags there. Am I wrong? No, we we have a minor league affiliate for the Rangers, the double A affiliate, the Frisco Rough Riders here about 10 minutes from my house. 
And every time I've gone there, it's been like a corporate event because it's way cheaper to do your summer, you know, your summer party or Christmas party, or, you know, I guess it's not Christmas party during baseball season, but your team building activities at a baseball game, it's way cheaper to go to the double A team stadium to do it than the Rangers stadium. So almost everyone there is because they're there for a corporate meeting or they're there because, you know, AT&T down the street has a suite and they gave it to some of their clients. It's always something like that. There aren't, you know, oh my gosh, we're here to see the Frisco Rough Riders win the win the title this year yeah. because like you said, if the team's really good, it's because they've got a bunch of good players on the team and before the season's over, they're all going to move up to AAA or to the majors. So, yeah, the goal's not to win, so it's really hard to pull for a sports team <laughs> who, who the last the least important thing to them is to actually win yeah. the games. It's trash, man, and you expect people to spend money on that. It's super trash. It, it, I'm so angry for so many reasons at Major League Baseball. You know, of the of the big four, they are way at the bottom for me. And this is it's not getting better. You know, so I'll say this: coming up next, I do have one idea that is so ballsy, and it would take some courage. But if they were to do it, it would actually, and it would actually make baseball so much more watchable and so much more exciting Uh, and they're already taking steps that would lead me to believe that it would be possible but before we go there and before we play some music i just want to uh finalize this and say dan i i'm done i'm i'm making my proclamation about our texas rangers i've had so much fun so much fun with those rangers but I can't take it anymore. And I honestly implore you and the listener at home to just take consideration of what I'm saying here, because, you know, there are organizations out there, there are entities that deserve your dollar and there are some that don't. And I'll leave it at that. All right. I'm taking my notes now. Good. You better. All right, guys, coming up next, I have one suggestion that would make MLB just a little less insufferable. But first, Dan, this is for you. This is for you because I know how much you. you love the IDM. I've got you a little bit of IDM music from right here in these United States. Dan, this is Shuhari with the track Noctulian right here on Men Seeking Tomahawks.
Tomahawks with the track Noctulian. Dan, that was just a little bit of idea music as you prefer. Hey, I, I like to chill out a little bit, and that was uh that was really cool. Just relaxing, and uh I could listen to that for a while. And you should. You should go to menseekingtomahawks.com and click on Shuhari, and then you can listen to it all you want. On my way. So, Dan, uh, I have an announcement. I was once again premature. <laughs> okay go on i finished that last segment just a tad before just a scotch before i was really ready which you know again it happens it happens to all of us right dan right blame it on the music right dan so i wanted to mention since i've given away that i'm moving to other pastures which pasture i might be moving on to dan and as you know i am a resident of the South Dallas, South of Dallas area, which puts me less than an hour away from your Cleburne Railroaders. Boom. Big announcement. Huge announcement. Might be independent team, huh? Indy might be a, might be a season ticket holder any minute. Now you have no idea. And Cleburne Railroaders, I know you're listening. Be watching out for a little email from a little podcast called Men Seeking Tomahawks, because I think we, I think that might be first remote, first remote broadcast, maybe. So, so t- tell me about the railroaders. I'm not familiar. Uh, indie, indie baseball, uh, beautiful, interesting stadium. Uh, they've got a choo choo train, Dan, right out front, right out front. And you might recognize a name on the uh, most, one of their most recent rosters. Uh, one Raphael Palmero, uh, wa- no wagging a finger at Congress as we speak. Yeah, he, okay, he played there a couple Back years up. ago. Hit the hit the reverse, reverse the railroad, the <laughs> reverse the tracks here. So, uh, three time Gold Glover, multi time All Star, Texas Rangers, should have been Hall of Famer Raphael Palmero playing in Indy League baseball. Cleburne, Dan Cleburne, and you see that's a- okay. I'm- 
that's the thing. Like you youngsters don't know this. And this is the, this is the thing where major league baseball has absolutely done the minor league system wrong, but the, the minors used to be a up and down ladder. You know, you used to develop talent. And then when talent from the top was in decline, they would start making their way to Omaha and to Cleburne and to all, all un, points unknown in between. And, and that's some of the magic that I think is lost on uh, farm systems now. However, every once in a while, Carl Everett's going to pop up in Newark and Rafael Palmero is going to be in Cleburne. And you're cool with their COVID protocols? Okay, so here's the thing. Like, I've been ranting <laughs> to anyone who will listen to me rant lately about this. Let's just say, I don't, let's just say this. Full disclosure, I don't know what their protocols are, okay? But what I do know is they won't have 40,000 people there, which means that if they sell out and there's, what, 2,000 people there? That's 38,000 fewer vectors, Dan. So I'm less inclined to be irate about this, about some minor, minor, minor uh, independent system out on Highway 67. Okay, so so I've done some uh, very on-the-fly Wikipedia research in here. So you'll be... You'll be happy to know that the ballpark consists of just 1,700 fixed seats. So you're correct. And that's seats, bleachers, and grass berm seating. So that Mm. could be really good for social distancing. Now, unfortunately, there's something you might not be so happy about in this breaking news segment that I just figured out. Oh, no. One of the owners of the Cleveland Railroaders, his name is Neil Lieberman, and that might not sound uh, familiar to you, but he just happens to be the Texas Rangers chief operating officer and president of business operations is one of the owners of the Cleveland Railroaders. So now I'm going to have to call you a liar and (gasps) uh, call you out on all of these things if you support the Cleveland Railroaders because it's basically like supporting the Rangers. Oh, no. Well... I guess it's off to the Fort Worth Cats. Wait a minute. Uh, I don't think they're around anymore. Okay, the North Richland Hills Air Hogs. Uh, I don't think there's any Air Hogs anymore. I don't know any more local baseball teams. (laughs) I'm in trouble. We're going to have to head south. How much, like, what if you and me started an independent baseball team in Waxahachie? Like, we could call them the Hatchies, like the Pepper. It sounds like if you find about 1,700 seats, you can do it. Yeah, probably seventeen hundred bucks, and we could do it. Okay. You know how the tryouts work, but at this point, I, so you can you got that. Yeah, I just gotta <laughs> I just gotta tweet at Jim Larritz and say, "Hey, man, come give some BP." Okay, All right, done. Okay, guys, so let's move on because I do want to point out a thing that I think is worth pointing out. Again, minor league baseball is hot garbage. It really is. There's it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. Everybody's just trying to move up. There's no, there's minimal fan loyalty. There's minimal player loyalty. It really is just a mess. And I wanted to venture into a hypothetical that I think this is my favorite sports hypothetical, you know, because I've seen what this mechanism can do to the excitement level of fans when we see it applied in the sport that utilizes this mechanism. So very recently as uh sporting news 
has reported to us, Major League Baseball has completely restructured its minor league system. So the long and short of it, Dan, is that up until this year, the minor league system in baseball was constituted by 162 different teams. That number has been shrunk to 120 per franchise. Or <laughs> That number has been shrunken to 120 overall, meaning that each major league team has four minor league affiliates. So instead of having lower single uh, super double secret a ball, you just have the four different ones. Does that make sense? To make sense. I'm not, now I'm trying to figure out what those other, what those other 40 some teams were, because that sounds like then not all of the professional teams had the same number of minor league teams underneath them. I don't guess so, but I think the reasoning behind this was the dilution of the talent base, right? Like let's consolidate it. It don't, it doesn't make sense to have seven or eight affiliates. If you got four, you can probably figure all your stuff out, right? Yeah. And if anyone who, who's a little bit unfamiliar, so you've got your major league team at the top and four teams now underneath them. And it goes low A, high A, double A, triple A, yeah. and then majors. So yeah. when you draft somebody from college or from high school, you're going to put them in low A and then slowly they'll work their way up and several years go by and hopefully they progress through the ranks and get to major league. So that's traditionally how it works. And in the last segment, we were talking about how these teams aren't playing to win. These minor league teams aren't playing to win. And that's exactly why, because if you're at double A, you're going to see those good players coming through and then they're going to go to triple A. Or if you're in triple A, the best players are going to go to the majors. So that's why, because it's very, it's a progressive system between the teams. So here's the hypothetical folks. Let's make the minor leagues count. What if we could do that? What what if we could make it to where the games actually mattered? It wasn't just the individual statistics that mattered. So here's my hypothetical. Let's uh, go across the pond. Uh, this is the part where Dan says good day. Let's venture over uh, to England to the the Premier League soccer, Dan, the English Football League. And the thing that has it's just the the shiniest object to distract me, and it's done so for years now, is a concept called promotion and relegation. And it's as simple as this. Winning matters and losing matters at every level. And we've seen this, right? This has popped up in the news where some team was on the cusp of being promoted and it and it was huge for those for those fans, you know. So just to briefly discuss what this is, essentially, per, the English league soccer is broken down to I want to say about eight different divisions, and your record dictates literally which one of those levels you're going to be in next season. So the Premier League, which is the top level, is twenty teams. The, the the bottom three teams of that league are relegated. They go down to the English Football League Championship, which is level two. And from there, it basically churns. You know, every year... So the top three teams from that league then 
can work their way up. Yes, right? yes. Uh, and that gets, ex- they got, man, this is so good. Oh my God, I wish we did this. So the top two teams in level two are automatic, but then the next four compete in a playoff to see who's going to get that third spot. So it's so. Yeah, but those were, that's a wild playoff oh too. Oh my because God, like, yes. Going from basically minor leagues to pros and having the op- opportunity for your could be a little team to work their way up to the big show. That's got to be insane to have that little mini tournament there. Dude, I I don't Okay, so like we said about repurposing malls a couple episodes ago, I don't know why this is a bad idea. All I can think about is why this is such a good idea. And god, this is this this just gets me so sports horny because like think about that, man. You mentioned the Rough Riders. What if one day you turn on the TV, it's you know, 3 p.m. on a Wednesday, and all of a sudden the Rough Riders are playing the Yankees. Like, you've seen the Yankees play Boston a trillion times in your lifetime, right? You've seen every match, even with interleague play. So now you're talking about these, uh, it's that that whole underdog thing, right? Where a minor league team actually makes it, and they actually get to compete. That's incredible. That and you're talking about uh, with the consolidation, you've got essentially five levels, right? Because you have four minor and one major. So every year, even if you did one team, even if you did one team, all of a sudden, uh, you know the the Durham Bulls are playing the Astros. Holy cow! You know, think about what that does to attendance and uh, television valuation. For, for commercials, you know, I mean, not only does it make sense, I think from a fan interest perspective, but I feel like the money would be there, right? Because now all of a sudden, all these different networks have the ability to say, Hey, we're, we're showing you, uh, this game. It's between, uh, a, a double A and a single A team and whoever wins this game determines, you know, their fate for next season. I, I just, again, there's probably reasons why this doesn't work. I just think it sounds really freaking awesome. Yeah, I mean, there's all kind. Of, there's there's a zillion reasons why it doesn't work and why it wouldn't work, and it's a lot of it has to do with money and contracts and all of that. But right, you know, it's fun to think about like what if the team down the road for me actually was trying to win. Sure. And what if you know I could go to those games and get invested in the team because that's like I would love to get invested in the wins and losses of the team right down the road, which, you know, it's a professional baseball team, but I just can't for the reasons we discussed. So, you know, this hypothetical where, Hey, those games matter and people actually want to go to those games and see those games. And if you think about 120 teams across the country, the really exciting thing about minor league baseball, minor league sports in general is most of these teams are housed in cities or metro areas where they don't have any professional teams. Right. We're lucky enough here to have all kinds of professional teams, but a lot of, you know, your, your Midwest towns and Kansas and Ohio and places that are reasonable, you know, metro areas, but they're not big enough to have sports teams. These minor league teams are the sports teams of the town. Yes. And if those teams actually cared about winning and cared about playing, you know, meaningful games, what could that mean for the, for the town and for the, a lot of them are in downtown areas. Like you mentioned the Durham Bulls. Uh, Durham, North Carolina is a fantastic town and they've got a baseball team there. And what if that baseball team actually was playing to win? How many more people could they get downtown to the bars and restaurants? Like there's so much trickle down that could happen. And that's exactly what you see in these, the, the English leagues is 
are these smaller teams or what we would consider smaller teams, but they have reasonable size stadiums and strong fan support. And it's all local and the local, you know, community band together to support this team because they're playing to win. Dan, what, what is the name of the championship awarded to the triple a national championship team? (laughs) Um, gold cup. Neither I can't. I'm skimming the Wikipedia right now, and I I can't see it. The point it's not is like a it like a it does, platinum boot or something. No one knows. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's the uh, got to be a boot, right? The gold Slurpee. It's the gold Seven Eleven Slurpee. You know, yeah, that's, the Quick Trip, uh, the Quick Trip Championship. We don't know what it is because it doesn't matter. And my pro- my proposal here would make it matter. You know, it really would. So. A Jack, who is that? Hmm. At the studio window on the second floor, but somehow there's some guy dressed like a 1970s car salesman standing outside the window. You know what? I think I have that same suit. Hey, hey, come on in. Come on. Hey, well, well, well. If it isn't uh, men seeking tomahawks. Oh, 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 oh. oh my gosh, that cigar smoke is brutal. Who are you? It's me, the one and only E.L. Dastardly, baseball man great. Heard you two dandies uh, voice your displeasure of the fact that I've allowed full capacity at last week's Rangers baseball match. Wait a second. Are you claiming to be someone with the Texas Rangers organization? What is your official title again? I've already told you, you jabbering dunderhead. My title (laughs) with the whole ball club is baseball man. Okay. Sure. Why not? Uh, so you're the one who greenlit allowing full capacity at a baseball game with minuscule safety requirements while we're still fighting a historic pandemic. Is that is that right? You got that damn straight, you fuzz bucket. <laughs> and believe you me, I kept every Joe and Tom in the grandstands as safe as ever. I kept America whenever I drilled the Germans out of Pearl Harbor in Korea. <laughs> well, uh, sir, thank you for your service, first of all. Um, uh, so you think that 40,000 fans in a stadium with very few of them wearing masks was a completely safe idea? Safe with a capital C? Whatever the first letter of that word is, uh, safe. Uh, I'm here today to tell the Rangers faithful about a bevy of other equally safe promotions we'll have throughout the baseball season. (laughs) Look, listen, I honestly doubt any Rangers fans are still listening at this point. Uh, So what are these safe activities you have in store for them? Are you guys familiar with the uh, dot race? Oh my gosh, I love the dot race. It's in between innings where a bunch of the people in big colorful dot costumes race around the field. Yeah, we love that. Well, this season we'll be uh, spicing it up a bit. We're going to have alligators racing. Oh wow, you're replacing the dots with alligators? No, right alongside uh, the runners, the dots. (laughs) Oh no, 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 no. Oh, quite very indeed. Uh, How about this for good, safe, fun... uh, who doesn't love a uh, July 4 at the ballpark? Couple of dogs, couple of beers. Nobody sure. calls it that, July 4. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every, but everybody loves it, right? Baseball and fireworks, sure. And we all know the dog days at the ballpark is always a hot ticket, am I right? 
hey, I've been multiple times, and it's always a sight to see all the dogs at the ball game. Well, boys, this year we're doing dog days at the ballpark on the 4th of July. The first 500 dogs will receive free Roman candle doggy collars. And I know what you're thinking. I don't think you do. You're thinking dogs can't light fireworks. That's one of the last things I was thinking. <laughs> oh, so uh, so what we'll do is uh, we'll, self, we'll, we'll uh, light the fireworks. Simple. Uh, first 500 kids, five and under, receive a complimentary cigarette lighter, courtesy of uh, uh, Crystal Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> that is not a thing. Mr. Dastardly, you must realize what our immediate concern is with this promotion. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And it it was my concern, too, obviously. Good, good. If the dogs are getting free and fireworks and the toddlers are getting free cigarette lighters, what are we doing for adults? I don't think that's a concern Jack's talking about. That's why we're also making it nickel beer night. Yeah, yeah. Nickel. That's right. Nickel beers, fireworks, and dogs and kids. <laughs> uh, listen, Mr. Dastardly, it, it doesn't sound like the ballpark is going to be safe at all this season. Well, uh, did I ever tell you boys about that time that uh, I helped the Indians steal the pennant? We literally just met you, so no, that's... Another story we've just not heard before, uh, but that that's news to us. You were with the Cleveland organization? Cleveland? No, 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 no. This happened in the Mumbai, India. <laughs> oh, I no. was a member of a gang of bandits called the uh, Bangalore Ruffians. I saw a nifty-looking pennant in a gift shop, and we took it, and it was covered in shiny sequins. <laughs> this was one of the worst stories I've ever heard. I wish you hadn't told it. Uh, and that has absolutely nothing to do with baseball, Mr. Dastardly. I think we've heard about enough of you. Well, gents, I don't want to end on a bad note. This really was intended to be goodwill, uh, be a goodwill message to the both of you. Uh, I actually brought over two complimentary tickets, courtesy of the Texas Ranger. Think, as a, think of it as an olive, uh, olive branch. You know, Mr. Dastardly, depending on how far out these tickets are and how the pandemic response is going, we might take you up on your offer, possibly. <laughs> well, I uh, hope you do. It's going to be a big game that night. And that promotion that night is going to be great. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, I really don't want to ask, but I guess I have to. Uh, what's the promotion, Mr. Dastardly? Well, the uh, first 300 adults get a super-duper classy sateen Rangers jacket. Oh. Wow. That, okay. That actually sounds normal for mm -hmm. a change. Yes. Completely safe. Completely normal. Really nice jacket, if I do say so myself. Very warm uh, lining. Yes, sir. Lining, wow. Uh, well, it's always good to have a warm jacket in Texas when the fall rolls around. Oh, I agree. And this jacket has a top-notch lining made out of 100% genuine asbestos. Okay, oh, uh, okay. Get oh. get him out of here. That That's oh, enough. What do you mean? Get out. Bye. Bye. Shut, the, shut the window. Bye. Shut the window. Out of, out of here, Mr. On that. <laughs> that's enough from him. And that's enough for this week's installment of Men Seeking Tomahawks as well. Be sure to subscribe to the program on your podcast app of choice. 
Come say hi to us on your favorite social media platform. And to hear more from the musicians featured on today's program, go to menseekingtomahawks.com. For Dan, I'm Jack. Jack, I'm Dan. 